0: breakfast puppies
1: this podcast contains adult language and content and is meant for mature audiences listener discretion is advised
0: you're listening to the glitter boys
1: welcome back to the glitter boys Once again, NPC here letting you know that Matthew is taking a break as he recovers from a car accident. If you want to help out, please stay to the end and we'll talk about how you can do that. In the interim, I'm bringing on my good friend, just Jacob, to join as our go as our second host. Mm -hmm. So, Jacob, this is a topic that uh, you seem very keenly interested in that's been
0: sitting on our backlog for a while. And I don't understand why. What's wrong with you people? (laughs) Yeah, today we're going to be talking about Apocalypse Rifts and one of the settings that is just made for exploitation under the rift system, and that is the late 80s cartoon Thundar the Barbarian.
1: Thundar the Barbarian!
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, I, got, I got that intro in my brain right now because I've been watching it while I ride my
0: exercise bike. <laughs> Excellent yeah no uh thunder the barbarian uh you know is a post-apocalypse futuristic uh so it's it's both post-apocalypse and sci-fi and for those of you who listen to our other podcasts will know that like if you have the word post-apocalypse in it you have my attention yeah what What? Um, what, what yeah what, squirrel squirrel exactly <laughs> uh it Origi- uh, and I, I made a mistake. I said late 80s, early 80s, because it premiered in 1980 and ran through 1981 with reruns in 83. Okay. Uh, it was a cartoon, uh, cell shade style. So, and on black cell rather than white cell, which added a nice dark, grimmer tone to it. I remember it. Well, I, re- I say I remember. Uh, I didn't watch much as a kid, uh,
1: but I remembered things about it that I'm now seeing again as I watch it from the beginning. It's one of those side scroll cartoons where there's those there's those
0: frequently yep. r- those running moments, the the <laughs> the, the, the Hanna Barbera <laughs> Scooby Doo, yeah. uh, you know, uh, same animation over a different background cell. Yeah, yeah they're
1: just <laughs> sort of rotating the cell over and over again. Yep. Behind, yep.
0: yeah. But the, the the setting is very in line with riffs. It is after a major apocalypse, except rather than the Rifts, it's hinted at it was nuclear war. Thundar, I want
1: to say it was in nineteen ninety or mm-hmm. some year. Yeah, uh, something hit the moon. Yeah, so a rogue item, something from space, just hit the moon, and that the fucked moon everything
0: up was in the background of so many shots yep. as a. Broken Mm -hmm. Moon, which is like one of those tropes I just love. And uh, didn't uh, some of our other favorite games steal that trope, the Broken Moon? Well, yes. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. (laughs) But And one of the hallmarks of the series was, uh, you know, this is so post-apocalyptic that a lot of people have resorted to uh, a pseudo-feudalism level of technology and with whatever remnants of technology, they can manage to keep working and twisting over. But in the background, there's these plow- power players called wizards or sometimes <laughs> sorcerers. And you're like, wizard, sorcerers, that's got to that, be more fantasy, right? No, no not usually. Um, there's some, you know, they really do Bending into the Heinlein law of any magic, any science that's sufficiently advanced appears magic. And if your understanding of science is impoverished because of lack of education, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, even modern-day technology appears to be magic. And when you are literally a brain in a robot body that's floating around in a cape, that is sending these massive creatures at it at a poor village because you want their water resources that (laughs) appears to be magic.
1: Chances are, if you're in this cartoon and that's your character characterization, you're going to have one of three voices either. I must get all the power or I must get all the power. (laughs) Or finally, I must get all the power. You have those three voices well, there's a fourth one, and that's the the robot voice, the, hi, and I can't do that one. Yes,
0: Sorry. exactly. And um, Thundar was very clear about where it was getting its source material. Jack Vance. But Jack Vance. Thundar the Barbarian himself is a... Uh, Conan clone without the accent Uh, and uh, instead of a giant steel sword he had a power sword that he carried around on a wrist bracelet when did the Conan movie happen the Conan movie I think came out after the cartoon but you know Conan the book dates back to well 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 before that I mean well Conan the book he was not
1: he did he was he was uh what was this okay if i'm remembering correctly uh from the descriptions of the places that he is that he is from samaria kind of has like a celtic slash ireland thing going Mm -hmm. on for it right
0: yeah yeah i mean somebody correct me if i'm wrong roughly it's the the gaelic britannic axis basically yeah
1: so he so conan in the books which i've been reading somebody gave me the my wife gave me the robert uh E. Howard. Robert E. Howard Conan collection on my Kindle. And I've been reading it to go to sleep at night. Kind of get some Conan in my brain. Hope I have some badass dreams. <laughs> and when whenever he is presented in those stories, he always feels like that kind of a stranger in a strange land, you know, mm-hmm. somebody brought into this this these desert kingdoms kind of thing. Mm-hmm. What's fascinating is that the Thundar character is
0: so white oh yeah he's so American it hurts <laughs> like... so American it hurts square jawed I think I, I, he's an off blonde um, you know hairless six yeah. pack the whole bit you know and, and fills out those leggings with so, such defined muscles that I swear they had one person on the production line whose entire job was lining his leg muscles
1: Yeah, and I don't remember when Masters of the Universe came out, but He-Man was essentially, you know,
0: strawberry blonde-haired Thundar. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, in a lot of ways. Uh, And, you know, the the three main characters of the series were Thundar the Barbarian, his sidekicks, quote-unquote, Ariel the Sorceress. Who was a psionicist slash understood technology better than the the Big Oaf did?
1: Yeah, she had she knew all about history. Yeah. Because she would constantly be like, "Oh, these used to be called helicopters
0: or mm-hmm. something." And then um, the the his Chewbacca esque side uh, sidekick, uh, which is, I, I am cannot for the life of me remember the correct pronunciation the name. I I can't either. Yeah, spell it. it. Oh boy. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, it, it's it's spelled M O K, but it wasn't I don't Mok, think moke. it I don't think it was mook, but mook, it might have been moke. And uh, yeah, I don't remember. And in all honesty, I have this vague probably wrong recollection that they weren't exactly consistent on the pronunciation either.
1: Yeah.
0: Um uh, you, not a Wookiee, but also did not ever speak English in the cartoon. Always was speaking through. <laughs> it, it's definitely
1: one of those shows that starts off with the heroes already knowing each other dead in the middle of an adventure. Yep. It's similar to the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon.
0: Like that show starts mm-hmm. and they're already there doing things. Mm-hmm. And despite the fact that this is supposedly well in the future, even of our real-world present day, there is all of these callbacks to the world around you, but in very subtle ways. There's, like, bla- there at one point, you're very obviously in the Grand Canyon. In another, there's the blasted, rotting remains of the Statue of Liberty. There's, it, like, oh, I think the Seattle Tower appears in one episode. <laughs> and it's, it's... There's all of these... In the background hints, that's one of the things I really loved about this cartoon. It was deeper than a lot of the fair on television in so many ways. There was episodes that involved moral gray areas. There was this whole, if you're not paying attention, you'll miss it, background call-outs to the U.S. Constitution and things like that um you know there there are some things that i will gladly be critical of i mean there's an inherent anti-intellectualism bent of the entire cartoon um where scientist o- science only leads to evil <laughs> and there's there's some things like that in there but it's such a beautiful world that is this world that's been run into the ground and there are some people who are just trying to A, make their own way, and B, make the world a better place. And so it's this sweet spot between what oftentimes is looked at as the good part of high fantasy, that, you know, small band of adventurers trying to change the world for the better, plus this grim, hard scrabble reality that just speaks to my soul in so many ways. Let's talk about Palladium, because that's what this podcast is about. <laughs> when I first got a copy of Riffs, and they were talking about what happened after the Rift Line, the Ley Lines opened up, and the Riffs opened up, and how the world just got wrecked, the world felt Thundar to me in so many ways. You know there are remnants of the world before laying around, but nobody really remembers it. You have the rogue scholar class trying to you know sift through the remnants the same way that Ariel is running around understanding technology, you know you have things like Archie, these mad computers that are buried underground from the days before that are have are hellbent on world domination, and while there isn't magic the way there is in rifts so many of the themes are there
1: i i agree i think that rifts today if we were to run it today and play it today as gamers who are informed by the last few decades of fiction Mm -hmm. and also technological advances And expectations of storytelling. I think that running the rifts with more inspiration from something like Thundar is much easier than it might have been back in the day. Uh Which was just a strange, strange thing because for me to say because if you go back to the to the butts edition, that's a very simple book Uh like the lore isn't established yet Uh -uh. and i think that it, it would be super easy to do that with that edition but now we've had some man where am i going with this i'm talking over myself hmm i think the point that i'm making is that we, I say we. Ultimately, what I really mean is me, that I think I could run it better now than I probably could back in the day because I would get so distracted by a lot of the technology that was there. And it would become, you know, kind of like Shadowrun. It's gun porn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's just gun porn or combat porn or robot porn. But mm-hmm. now, like, now I can take that step back and appreciate the simplicity of the butts edition with what I feel to be a better grounded rule system in the current edition and apply that towards something and making Rifts Earth Thundar mm-hmm. with more of that suspension of disbelief.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, and, and I totally agree with you. I I was, you know, when Rifts originally came out, I, I had a copy of the Butts edition and um, played it with a group of friends. It was one of the first games that I was not the primary GM on which was you know <laughs> easy to sell me because you know as someone who has spent most of their life chained to the table behind the GM screen. I'm okay with that chain. <laughs> yeah I I have learned to love that chain but you know <laughs> riffs. you have everything you need to run a Thundar game right there in the main book and you don't even need to grab any of the rest there's OCCs that will easily mimic just about everything you have. You'll have to tweak a couple things, but if uh, Thundar's Power Sword is not a Techno Knight's blade, tell me what it is, you know. And oh my God, you're so right. You can actually make, <laughs> you can, you'll need to grab the conversion book for this, so I'm going a little bit outside the main book, but the convert the original conversion books, D.B., chart has everything you need need to make mook as a character class
1: well uh, honestly you could do that with the butts edition the db
0: table was in the core book was it
1: yeah oh random
0: db Yep. yeah yeah. but like random db and there's no you never meet another one that look in any other creature that looks exactly like mook Mm -hmm. and it's nobody ever mentions it
1: (laughs) Uh, he yeah yeah, he's, uh, he's he's Chewbacca, basically. <laughs> I mean, he he really is. He's Chewbacca with maybe a, he doesn't have a beak, but mm-hmm. he has a mouth that kind of looks like it could be a beak. And that's yep. just because of the simple or color palette of mm-hmm. Anna Barbera era can, cartoons. Can we just take a moment to appreciate <laughs> Ariel as a character? Oh, yes, let's do that. You a minute ago were talking about it being Mm anti-science. And I think that she is evidence of it not being anti-science. But one of the messages of Thundar, which is also a very strong message in rifts, Uh if people haven't been paying attention, is that science can be abused by those if it's left unchecked. Right. By by the un- uh, what do you call it? The unscrupulous. Exactly. If left unchecked. And she is somebody who is an example, a fine example of, mm-hmm. she's a rogue scientist, rogue scholar. She yeah, like with psionic abilities. Yeah. Yep, yep. That's pretty and much it. She knows about the past and she knows how to use science and she has her own like science magic and whatnot. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But it's more than that. It's, again, this is a cartoon that came out in 1980. And I, I, I firmly believe whoever wrote the character document for Ariel was cribbing heavily from uh, Leia Organa from Star Wars. Oh, there's so much Star Wars in this oh, show. Oh, yeah, there's, there's a lot. But uh, Princess Ariel, don't ask me what she's the princess of. I don't think they ever, ever got around to explaining that part. But is smart, strong, can carry herself in a fight, is smarter than Thundar, I very rarely ever got put in a um, damsel in distress role uh, was the key to them actually winning in a whole bunch of uh, of the cartoons. It was so off brand for the portrayal of female characters Mm -hmm. at that time frame that it was like, that was, that was something nice. Yeah. The only times that I'm
1: remembering from my recent watch that she got damseled Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even call them damseled. I would simply you know it's a storytelling technique when you want to create conflict. If you have a character whose source of power is X, mm-hmm. and frequently they overcome conflicts with X, you can create an interesting story component where where their access to X is bound mm-hmm. or blocked or something. Sometimes that's by captivity. Mm-hmm. But even in the most recent episode that I was watching where she was captured. Quite they got to her, and she's like, "Oh, wait! I can get out of here on my own, right?" (laughs) (laughs) Like, like they break in, she's like, "Oh, that's right! I'm awesome!" (laughs) She starts kicking
0: ass again. It was, it was a nice little lampshade for the '80s. You know, it it was an it, it was different. It was amazing, and by them doing that, it even more firmly put it in the role of being able to riffs because. You know, one of the problems that so many people run in Rifts, and one of the reasons I have told people who are like, how do I balance the various power levels in Rifts? Mm-hmm. It's like, go go look at Thundar. The, the dude with the power sword and good at kicking things. <laughs> I have two skills. I have two sword skills. Sword and kick. <laughs> Watch the cartoon and you'll understand that in-joke. Um, (laughs) you, despite the fact that Thundar is the name brand of the show, he's an idiot. He's an idiot. He is
1: so stupid that actually, so much of the comedy and so much of the plot of the show I am watching now realizing is both her. And to some extent, the guy yep, trying Luke. to convince him not to do something stupid. stupid.
0: <laughs> Thundar would not be alive today. But it it also shows uh, the depth uh, that you can create when you actually look at what a OCC is capable of when it comes from cr- writing your stories or playing your characters. It's, what are my skill sets? What is the situation before us? How can I leverage my skills? Or how can I write my story to highlight the skills of an OCC? Like, of course, your combat Borg is always going to be able to outpunch, outshoot, et etc., etc., cetera, your rogue scholar. But your combat Borg, when, you know, facing a 100,000 uh, MDC Wall at the NORAD complex is not going to be able to do much, but suddenly the rogue scholar is like, "Oh well, the SAC system, <laughs> you know." And uh, then I'm going to get this power plant online, and we'll have control over all these bots that are trying to kill us. Mm-hmm. Have a nice day. Can you can you hold this hallway while I do this important yeah. thing? Yeah, I'm
1: so with you on this. It and it once again brings us back to that specter in the room of balance mm-hmm. just balance doesn't have to be on the character sheet balance happens in the story balance happens in the minds of the character or minds of the players balance is this fictional concept uh, that mm-hmm. people want to put in rpgs where everybody wants to have the same i we all need to have at least some level of you know numerical output no 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 no, no, no. that that's a computer game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're playing a tabletop story game where you get in, you get out of it what you put in. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that's balance. Balance is making sure everybody at the table has a fun time, which is ultimately finding a way for each of them to do something, mm-hmm. which is not that hard to do for exactly the reason you just said.
0: Now, one of the things that, you know, we've talked about, like howing, how to bring riffs to run a Thundar gam- a campaign we started with the fact that balance in Thundar is really well done via the story and what the people decide to bring to the table. But one of the things I feel that's missed all the time in a lot of riffs games is that this is a world that we as players actually know it's the remnants of the world we knew, but having those small callbacks like I've already mentioned this in the background of so many episodes. It's not called out. It's not a center point of the story, but there's the destroyed Statue of Liberty.
1: Well, the Statue of Liberty in that episode got turned into a gigantic murder golem that they had to
0: defeat. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I truth, just watched that but, one yesterday yeah, yeah.
1: specifically.
0: <laughs> but when <laughs> when you want to get the one of the things, one of the I'm not going to say problem, but one of the challenges with riffs is getting the the getting that feeling that this is a world that is ours that we no longer know for players is sometimes hard to do. I I feel if you look at Thundar and look at how they oftentimes, with the exception of the Statue of Liberty murder column, <laughs> <laughs> pulling out the places and stuff like. Archie 3 is literally a remnant of the world before. Archie Mm -hmm. was originally part of the remnants of the strategic air command system. That sort of thing and pulling that forward into your rifts game helps reground it for players in a, oh, we're not just fighting for the future. We're fighting fighting for a brighter future and recovery of things that we have lost in some ways. Well,
1: not just that,
0: but we're fighting for the future against things from the past. Exactly. Yeah. In so many ways. Yeah. Plus alien things from other dimensions that want to eat our face. So. True. (laughs) One thing that I think you
1: can truly draw inspiration from from Thundar, but not just Thundar, Masters of the Universe, mm-hmm. She Ra, mm-hmm. G.I. Joe, mm-hmm. even the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. Any of that stuff that happened in the 80s, hell, I dare say, ha- cares for it today. I don't know much about children's action cartoons these days beyond a handful of them. But in that era, there were stipulations in Contracts for children's programming against certain types of violence. So nobody ever gets shot in
0: G.I. Joe.
1: Nobody ever gets shot in G.I. Joe. Or if you go back and watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the cartoon, Mm -hmm. they're fighting robots. The foot soldiers are all robots, so they can get away with using their weapons. Anything that's not a a robot, they, they use different techniques. Thundar. Dungeons and Dragons, G.I. Joe, Masters of the Universe, they're not actually fighting with weapons Mm -hmm. against mortal targets. They're using them cleverly to do things other than stab or shoot opponent to death. Right. And you can go back and watch these and get ideas for things to set up for your mm-hmm. car- for your players to to have alternate ways of defeating conflicts but also as a player you can go back and get ideas on how to do other things than just stab and shoot
0: mm-hmm. you can also find things on how to especially with Thundar because this is one of those things that I think Thundar did real well how to have a credible big bad with, in some cases, very complicated motives for why they're the big bad and have them be a complex challenge rather than you throw the big bad in the room with the party and the party beats him down like it's a Saturday night at a redneck truck stop. and (laughs) Because the big bads in the Thundar world are all borderline super geniuses by and large with a handful of exceptions and yes at the end of the day they get beat up by a dumb blonde guy imbecile (laughs) and his companions (laughs) (laughs) but there's some very interesting challenges and how they scope it it's not always an army of minions or uh or some giant death machine that is what the Thundar and the rest of the party have to overcome. It's sometimes far more complex and subtle than that. And it's, it's a good cartoon to go and like look at as a game master for other ways to write a story to get through that isn't smash face kick door.
1: Yeah. I, I wholly agree with that. I, yeah, it's, it is a fantastic source of inspiration for something like riffs. There are so many parallels and themes And if, uh, dear listener, if you go back and listen to an episode that uh, I largely led about reimagining Rift's Earth, something like Thundar works very well if you do, if you take those ideas and run with them, which is to pull away from some of the more throwaway lore like locations and you know whatever of rifts earth and just like take the factions and take very specific set pieces and place them in this sort of amorphous void of an apocalypse that Mm -hmm. the players are running through and just pepper it with references to the old world Mm -hmm. and you've got yourself a
0: game that's going to be awesome and vice versa Thundar is just begging for a Splur- Splurgorth spl- slaver to show up.
1: Oh my God. I, that probably happens. And uh, that Splurgorth, if he appears in an episode, is probably quite ashamed. That he got beaten by that imbecile. <laughs> He's really stupid. Thunder is so dumb. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah.
0: And there are so many beautiful little quiet jabs at him in the cartoon. Yeah. But if you miss it, it goes right by you. <laughs>
1: Honestly, the show is really about the princess and her companions.
0: Yeah, in so many ways. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Although the growth would a slaver would be looking at Princess Ariel and going like, yeah, "I already have the outfit. I got a space on the barge." <laughs> <laughs>
1: have you seen the first edition of my role-playing game (laughs) (laughs) you and
0: the blind warrior women would get along just fine
1: (laughs) oh my god techno wizard that's what she is yeah she's yeah techno wizard yep. yep with with psionic powers yep yep Definitely because I think so much of what she does is that crown that she's mm-hmm. wearing and she's got like, you know, mm-hmm. magical things that she uses techno wizard all the way, all the way.
0: Yep. Techno wizard. Uh, Thundar is there's a couple different classes. You could go with him. Honestly, he's a, honestly a psionic warrior is probably the cyber best. knight seems the best. Yeah. 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 I He doesn't have much in the cybernetics, but, you know, that's that there's a couple different ways you could do that
1: cyber knights aren't cybernetic i keep forgetting thing. that yeah.
0: that's the that's the one that always gets me especially
1: if we're going with first edition mm-hmm. but edition rifts so cyber knights are literally just a set of skills a sci sword and some sci armor
0: yep and that's it and a supposed moral code that they immediately throw out the world out the window with vampire kingdoms there you go and um and mook is a DB that can be like I think three different character classes. Although I would highly recommend grabbing Ranger from uh, the Palladium Fantasy game. Mm-hmm. What, what, what? there's there's probably
1: a class specifically based on him in one of the expansions or a Rifter article. But if
0: yeah, DB, mm-hmm. Demu- yeah. generally immune to poison, tough as a box of rocks, mm-hmm. and uh, is probably the only reason these two idiots he's traveling with don't starve to death.
1: I would make a case to to make him in, in this. He's going to be conversion book, Heroes Unlimited superhero using the aliens rules mm-hmm. with some very specific target choices mm-hmm. on that table. Yep. yep yeah, very much yeah, so. He's definitely got some super strength and super endurance. And uh, he's
0: a, a naturalist at, at, as well. So, yeah, definitely an alien. Definitely an alien. Yeah. And... You know, so many of the other run-of-the-mill things are robots that we have stats for. There are so many MOOC-level robots that are you can reskin a whole bunch of, like, Archie's creations or even some of the Coalition robots, and boom, there it is. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Any final words? You know, um, honestly, see the cartoon. Even if you're not interested in usually interested in the backstories of how cartoons are made there is a documentary called the warriors of light that is details the history of how thundar came to be a cartoon and um what they were thinking when they were putting it together and uh it's amazing because it was done not that long ago it was the it was the 21st century when the cartoon was done when this documentary was done and you are looking at the creators of this original cartoon who are still giddy that they had the chance to do this oh yeah that sounds wonderful and it'll give you so many ideas to introduce to your Rifts game, even if you don't run it in the Thundar verse, as it were, but keep it in the Rifts universe. There's so many storytelling hints and ways of approaching problems and interesting set pieces. It's a gold mine to mine for a Rifts game.
1: And if Rifts is, for whatever reason, I don't even know why this would be not the game that you want to run it in, check out Dungeon Crawl Classics. There is a campaign source book. And a series of supplements extended from that source book called the American Survival Guide, Uh which itself is a collected and, you know, cleaned up and better presented version of rules that came out in a series of zines for Dungeon Crawl Classics. And these zines were called Crawling Under a Broken Moon. Mm hmm. The main inspiration is clearly really Thundar, Thundar the Barbarian, and many of the many of the aspects of the game setting are Thundar the Barbarian. However, this game places its tongue firmly in its cheek and runs with it in a much more comical way.
0: Now I'm gonna have to go back and watch Thundar the Barbarian, the complete series to see if a number 10 can of pudding shows up anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh, man, those number 10 cans of pudding are dangerous. Watch out. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Thunder of the Barbarian, go see it. Uh, It is an amazing cartoon. Uh, You know, it's like one of the high watermark of cel-shaded cartoons on network television. If you sit back and just don't ride the nostalgia wave like me, no matter whether or not you had it as a child... There is some very good ideas for storytelling in there and how to structure a story in some interesting ways, which is stunning for a Saturday morning cartoon.
1: Well, yeah, the adventure presentation of every episode, it's it's episodic and each episode you can listeners you can take that whatever's presented in an episode and follow that structure and the flow of it and turn that into your standard structure for any convention or one-shot game yep absolutely well thanks for listening folks again matthew is having some hard times after a pretty bad car wreck he won't be back for a while um he he could probably use your help If, if, if you feel like throwing some few bucks his way then please do so through the tip jar on our pinecast host it is linked in the show notes of every episode. Anything you can throw is appreciated, and if you can't, totally understand. Times are tough. Join us on Discord, drop in, have some conversation. We've got some video games we're all playing together right now. That uh, uh, Valheim, Valheim. We all got addicted to that. I got addicted pretty hard.
0: Jacob just died a lot. <laughs> hey, man, that's the way the game's supposed to be played. Run hard, slay <laughs> often. And... Special shout out to Quaze, who is
1: currently holding the highest death count of our server, which I thought would be Jacob.
0: I really did. <laughs> See, and suddenly NPC realized that I actually was showing restraint. <laughs> <laughs> Keep but it up, Quase. Good job. And come join us. Come join us on Discord. If you join the G- Discord, you can find the sorts of games we're playing. Uh, I, in the near future, am looking at doing some one-shots via our Discord for things like Recon and a couple other games. Yes? hmm <laughs> <laughs> so uh, come and ask more because any calls for players are going to be put out that way.
1: So. Yes, actually, please do. The more people that come and say, hey, Jacob, run recon, the greater the chances that I'm going to get to play recon. So please make this happen. <laughs> Good night, folks. Good night. You've been listening to the Glitter Ways, a Palladium Books fan podcast. This closing music is Caravana by Philip Gross, available at freemusicarchive.org. All sound effects used are self-made or acquired via Creative Commons Zero License. If you like what you have heard, find us on Twitter and Facebook as The Glitter Boys. That's B-O-I-S. And check us out online at breakfastpuppies.com slash glitterboys. And also join us on the Breakfast Puppies Network Discord at breakfastpuppies.com slash discord. And if you want to help us out, please spread the word and help us build a community. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time.